podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Pod four six two. Um, Palace this week have drawn one all at Brentford. Fourth time Palace have drawn Brentford in the last four games. Um, so put your money on the draw. Next next game. Uh, joining me to discuss that is Jack Pierce. Jack, hello to you. How you doing? Good, JD. Yep, fresh off a, a good away day, if not a good result. It's a good. We'll talk about it, but it's good away day at least. Good. That's good to know. Also, on that away day, uh, Joe Walker was there as well. Joe, how was your away day? Pretty good. It was. It was night. Brentford. I think it's, you've got to have. You've got to struggle to have a bad experience uh, enjoying that little West London. All those clubs around that area: QPR, Fulham, Brentford. I'm into. I'm into going to that side of London. Didn't come with the points, but as you say, we'll get to that. It didn't scar my afternoon enough. Compared as compared to certainly compared to some other people who were present or at least watching online or, or on telly because yeah I don't I don't share some of the sentiment I've been seeing anyway. I mean we are this is why we do this pod two days later because we do like to you know we do the post match pod and that is full of emotion. This pod we hopefully like to let the dust settle a little bit. So but we'll see how that how you're that like, um, uh, you're like two different people aren't you when when you do the post match and then do the midweek one you you wouldn't unless you gave your name one you do give your name away. Somebody listening might think that's two different people. I I feel like on the post match pod I have more scope to uh, be a bit be a bit of. A, so I saw someone in the patron put, um, or in the Discord put. It's like two brothers, and Rob's the older brother, and JD's the younger brother trying to wind him up. And actually, that's, exa- that's exactly what I'm it's going really for. Summary of your dynamic, to be fair. And yeah. uh, it is quite nice to be let off the leash a little bit on the post match pod. But I feel like I have to be a bit more, a bit more sort of like with it on on the main pod. And uh, someone else who's also with it. Um, is our patron this week. Can, can we get a drum roll for a random patron? It's Mr. Rob Billington. Oh, hi, hi, Rob. Hi, Rob. Great to have Rob on. But have we done Rob before? I don't know if we've done him before don't, or not. But anyway, no, 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 no. Uh, anyway, thank you, Rob, for being a patron. And you can get all the patron perks like Rob does, including post-match podcasts, uh, patron-only merchandise that is being manufactured right now, latest run of that, um, access to the Discord club, um, at patreon.com slash FAP podcast. And currently, patrons have a, a patron only offer on a brand new, really, really lovely FYP football shirt that's been manufactured uh, based on the old 80s Adidas designs uh, from the 80s. Absolutely lovely kit. Um, it's currently on offer for 20% off. So it will go on sale to general sale at the end of this month, 28th of February, for £45. Patrons currently get an offer of 20% off, bring it down to £36. It's only available to patrons, and that's only available while it's on pre-order now to them 
before the 28th of February. So if you like the sound of that, join the patron and you can get money off this really cool FYP shirt. Then it will go and sell to the public at the end of the month. So keep an eye out for that if that sounds like your kind of thing. We're also delighted this week to be sponsored by our friends at Eternity Home Finance. They're a Croydon-based, palace-supporting, family-run mortgage and protection advisors. For a free consultation on taking advantage of current falling mortgage rates, email info at eternityhomefinance.com and quote the code FYP. Now, lads, Palace were mere seconds away from getting a very, very precious three points at Brentford at the weekend um, after Eze's opener. Uh, they didn't because Vitaly Janot, I think that's how you say his name, headed in a last-minute uh, equaliser for uh, the Bees. Jack, the person that's been getting most flack in all of this is... Can you finish the sentence? Jordan Ayew. Correct. <laughs> Mr. Jordan Ayew. Um because, and I didn't even see this, I watched the game live, didn't even notice it, watched the replay, it's not even on the replay, but he essentially did a bit of a Mikel Antonio and went to, I think, spray the ball out to Eze on on the counter when he could have run it in the corner or played it to um, Armada, I think, possibly, who was a bit more central. Mm. Anyway, Brentford went down the other end and scored about, what, 30 seconds later, potentially. So there were phases of play. But having said that, he has taken the brunt of it. Would you like to hear some of the questions from our listeners on, on Straight in. Mr. Wright? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to have to because we've got so many questions this week. I think we've just got to go uh, straight on with it. Robin Mickelberg. Hey, Robin. Robin. Hey, Robin. The decision not to waste time in the corner, in the counter-attack, prior to the goal is madness. Surely the players have learned this lesson over time. Uh, I'm trying to see. Actually, the other ones are just general by you. Let's just go with that one. Okay. What's Jordan Ayew to blame? Are you annoyed he didn't run into the corner? Do you know what's great? I actually texted my mate who who wasn't at the game about 10 minutes before that saying Jordan Ayew had been absolutely outstanding. Mm. <laughs> so I'm actually on the on the record of of, uh, of saying how good he'd been. And I stand by that up until he made that mistake. I, I don't know what you think, Joe, but I thought he was absolutely outstanding in the flesh. He, he was our kind of route up the pitch and thought he led really well, thought he led the team through the game at really important moments and... I didn't have any issue with his performance whatsoever until he tries the the Hollywood pass um, in the 95th minute. Uh, just shocking game management, isn't it? It's just absolutely appalling. Um, he's actually in, he's actually in space as well. It's not as though he's pressured into playing the pass. Um, yeah, Edward puts it around the corner with a nice kind of back flick, um, and then he's trying to trying to find Eze uh, on the left hand side. I don't really know for what purpose because. Eze would only then be tasked with the same issue that he's tasked with in terms of running it to the corner. Yeah. Um, but it, there's the still of that moment when he's picking the pass. And uh, I think it's Edward, uh, Eze on the left-hand side, Ahamada's in front of him. So we've got four people, four Palace players, might even be missing one, but I think it's four, in the Brentford half with, you know, 70 seconds on the clock to go. Um, yeah, very, very bizarre. And you probably have to put a portion of the blame at Jordan O's door. But I, I think... You could probably also lay some blame at the door of Eberichi Eze, Jeffrey Schlupp, Chris Richards, and Joe Anderson for that goal going in. So I, I think you're probably looking at five players who could do better. Um, and if one of them, at least one of them, does a bit better, then we're probably not conceding that goal. As Adam, as Adam always says on the post-match pod, there's at least three errors that lead to a goal. And I think with this one, there's probably more than that. 
And we will, Joe, we do have questions about the manager, which we'll come on to later, which 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 does sort of fill me with dread a little bit. Ugh. But if people what are... can, but what can the manager do in that well, situation? I mean, in all point, in all honesty, yeah. what is Patrick Vieira meant Let to Let me do? just read a question because I want to put that to, to Joe as well, because you said about game management. Um, and it is poor in-game management from a player, not really from the manager. But Jason Mallon, by Jason, hey, Jason, has put, given the former Brentford, we should be pleased not to lose. I like that. However, given the coaching staff know they chuck everything in the final minutes of games, do they? Or was that just this one particular game? Or maybe the home game as well. Uh, why haven't the coaching staff learned? I don't think this one's purely on the coaching staff, given IU, given, as as Jack said, other players involved. Surely at 95 and a half minutes, the coaching staff are thinking, we've done all right here. Yeah, I. there's a part of me that does understand if, you know, Brentford were throwing things at us and, and that we, I actually thought we were dealing with them pretty well defensively. Uh, there was a mention of I, Jack from, from Jack of IU being one of the best players on the pitch for us. I would have him in the top two with Joachim Anderson, who was back and looked like he'd never left. He was, he was so, so good yesterday on Saturday. Sorry. And I, I don't know what it was. Maybe it, we had a belief that we could go for it. I don't think it was just necessarily a bad pass. We were creating opportunities on the counter. Odds Edward probably a, co- a more confident Edward might have taken a few a touch and just swung a leg at it earlier and seen what happened. Ahamada just dragged one wide. Um, I feel like maybe I'm misremembering. Uh, it might not be Ayu, but somebody hit a long ball to Eze late on, as it was the same, similar to what Ayu attempted a couple of minutes earlier and that's probably perhaps why they've tried to go for the same thing again when when he pulled out the air and looked like Eberich shares it again yeah yeah uh, so i don't know if it was a case of the play in in Ayu's case getting over excited and thinking actually no forget the instinctive feeling or the constructional feeling of uh keeping this in the corner or something. I think it's there for us to go get another one, which at 1-0, I I don't really think is worth it ever. But I don't know. Yeah, as that one mistake leaves Eze out of position. Yeah. uh, And then it leaves Chris Richards on his wrong side Mm. going sort of one-on-one with with Buemo. But even then he's got quite... The cross uh, is in Wemo, right? That cross. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. he's got a full sort of like 10, 20 yard run so on him. It's Rich is just quite yeah. deep, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sort of set up for the kind of right, uh, you know, entrenched defending. Yeah. And then suddenly you've got players with yards yards in front of him. And then yeah, they look overloaded at the back. Anderson, to me, I don't know if he just realizes the extent of how many people are behind him, but he doesn't his instinct isn't to attack the ball. He's almost sort of stepped back and seen like who, what, what can happen. And yeah, those things combined just lead to a really frustrating moment in a day where by the first five, 10 minutes where there were a couple of Brentford shots that whistle past the post and probably if they're on target, they're in other than that. I don't think they troubled us in a way that they've troubled pretty much everybody else in the top half for the last sort of 10 games. So 
it, we'll look back on that as a great point, but ah, oh, so, yeah, a really gutting for that team of set of players as well. It's still not our best eleven, um, and even we know we know that Vieira doesn't know his best team. It's still I don't think he would say that's his best team because he's got Wolf missing still. Mitchell's had to come off at the end. It's so frustrating for them that that I you could see the the, the confidence lift. Just that that goal seemed to light us up in a in a in a way that was. You know, it was, it was enjoyable as a fan to be in the away end and be like, right, we're leading away. Can't remember when this last happened in the league anyway. I guess Bournemouth, but I wasn't there. And yeah, I, I, I just, my instinct was not to then tear into the players or Vieira. I I don't know. I don't know if I'm going soft. <laughs> I guess it's it's the manner of the, the points dropped that's frustrating, which it is. And also, Jack, match of the day, the pundit's analysis was exactly what Jerry has been saying and praising Anderson for being everywhere. And it's literally one moment's lapse of concentration, which if they hadn't done, we'd be coming away from that thinking huge performance, huge result given Brentford's form, everyone would be happy. And it shows the fine margins of football that we're literally talking about a split second decision from Anderson to not attack that or to, or to not get his man or whatever, to get lost under the, the flight of the ball. And we're now we're now talking all these questions that I'm looking at would be completely different. But you were talking like about the conference, wouldn't it, if we'd held on? <laughs> but it, it, do, it does show how tight these things are, actually. And I guess for me, I'm sort of similar to Joe. It doesn't leave me too frustrated because they we were really, really close to a big and I was thinking because I, w- I was gonna go, and then I couldn't mm. go last minute because my daughter wasn't very well. I was thinking going to the last minute, we've done it again. I've not gone. <laughs> and we've won. It's, it is me. It is getting me. But actually, maybe it, maybe it's not me. Well, your god com- complex aside, um, it was a uh, <laughs> it was a very bizarre looking goal. Actually, there when you won't see many goals scored in top flights across Europe that look that kind of lopsided, and that the winger has got mountains of space to put across in. Yet somehow we've still kind of undercut our defending in terms of there being a cue at the back stick. If if Yannolt hadn't put it in, I think Tony's probably going to yeah. nod it in. So we're really narrow, despite being really deep. It's it's very peculiar. I, I do think Chris Richards has a little bit like he did. He, he didn't cover himself in glory when he came on at left back against Man City earlier on in the season. But I think we kind of gave him benefit of the doubt in that he was relatively new to the squad and and just kind of the bright lights of City's attack probably dazzled him as it did the rest of the back four. But he he did go. He actually played quite well when he came on on Saturday. And that kind of broke up play and, and kind of joined Ebbs on the left hand side and 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 did his bit. But that particular passage of play, he's he's kind of instinctively really gone deep and, and gone into that kind of back three that we've talked about. Yeah. The only issue is Tariq Mitch was not on the pitch to play the left side fullback. So very bizarre goal, but I'm with you and I'm with Michael Richards that, that, uh, that aside, Jerkham Anderson was absolutely outstanding and it was so good to see him um, and, and kind of remove the spectre of doubt as to, well, when Anderson comes back, uh, sorry, when Anderson comes back, do you play him or play Richards? You play Jerkham Anderson because the guy's yeah. top level international footballer. Um, and uh, that that mistake aside, he w- he was very very good and, and probably uh, yeah probably was better than Jerkham, uh, better than Jordan Ayew in terms of Palace's best best player. But you got to take a point. We'd all have taken a point before that game. I think the three of us said that last week when we recorded. Um, so I'm not too down about getting a point, but you you do worry about the impact on the squad. You know that's now seven weeks without a league win. Seven weeks without a win. We didn't win in the cup, did we? So seven wins. Uh, seven weeks without a win. Um, one win since they've come back um, and we might have only played um, since Boxing Day but that group of players have been together 
focusing on this kind of restart of the league since the end of November. So we're, we're pushing three months really with a group of players together every day, uh, quite a few Premier League matches now having passed and they've only won one match. So I'm not too worried about where we are, but I, I am a little bit worried about the morale in the camp and it doesn't get easier with, with a kind of resurgent Liverpool coming to Selhurst on Saturday. Having said that, and we'll, we will wrap up here and go on to hopefully, actually, I was going to say hopefully nicer things. It's not. I've seen the questions in part two. Um, <laughs> but um, someone in one of our groups, I can't find it. I've been going for my WhatsApp. I can't find it. Put in a stat about the uh, the difficulty of teams already faced yeah, and yeah. someone somewhere had done, put it into numbers. And, and we basically, according to whatever website, had the hardest run of games so far of anyone this season. And the next four don't get any easier. But obviously, towards the end of the season, we do have this run against teams all below us in the league. That does put the pressure on that if we do have a tricky couple of weeks, it really will all become cup finals. But it does actually give a little bit of context as to where the team is now and 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 the points. And actually, I think it does make the points against Brighton and the points against Brentford do look a little bit better, I think, in context. Um, and I, we will have questions about that, actually, because... People asked about that evening out against Brighton because of the VAR and all that kind of stuff. But let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we've got more depressing questions. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. When it comes to business and meeting travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold your meeting or the innovative industries that will make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insights said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when work wraps up for the day, the evening is just getting started. I'd love to tell you about all the 46 Michelin-rated restaurants, 
or the array of outstanding dishes that'll have you coming back again and again. But executive chef Guillaume Rabin of Lake Nona Wave Hotel can sum it up better than me. Orlando has a world of artisans, so you can try incredible cuisines from across the globe. It's so true, and there's so much more. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Welcome back to the Fluffy Pen Podcast. Whee. Sponsored by Eternity Home Finance this week for a free consultation on taking advantage of current falling mortgage rates. Email info at eternityhomefinance.com and quote the code FYP. Um, first question comes from Magic CPFC. We love hey, magic. magic. Good old Magic. Was this another typical Palace result? Well, typical yeah. in the sense that we've drawn a lot of games recently. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's in the pattern of, of typical Palace of recent. I guess the, the manner of dropping points. Um, don't know what you think, Joe, in terms of degrees of typical Palace-ness. Well, I, one of the things I've combated in the name of positivity, I've been like, you know, a lot of the late conceded goals under the Vieira were last season. And I felt like the goal at home to Brentford, and we'll circle back round to that again, mm. People were going, see, not, we've learned nothing. And then I felt like we didn't do it again for ages. But it's, you know, only, you know, it's that confirmation bias. Now it's back, it's like, you know, we're, we're terrible at this. Yeah. We can't hold leads. Um, but having said that, to do it twice against Brentford in one season, and I just went back to see the, not the goal scorer, but so funnily enough, who set up the the late Brentford header at Sellhurst? Janelt, the golf oh, scorer. So it was, and it was, but it was it in Burma that scored it. It was Wissa, who is not the tallest yeah. guy. But again, that was another one where I felt we were quite deep, and we've just just completely missed the little guy at the back post yeah. who had all the space in the world. And yeah, they that, that feels like a lesson not learned. That I can sympathise with if we're simplifying things. So have I, we conceded a late goal in between those two Brentford games? Conor Gallagher. Conor Gallagher, the Chelsea yeah, which about was about a week later, wasn't it? Two weeks later. Yeah. Uh, since yeah. then? Uh, uh, well, there were six weeks off of the World Cup. But, um, <laughs> so during that period, we were defensively yeah. very sound. Yeah. yeah. But uh, we, I you know... Think, I can't think of any between, to be honest. Yeah. And that's another one where we're all behind the ball, but ultimately, it's the edge... Of, you know, there's yeah. enough cover there that he's not supposed to score in that. Um, it's... Maybe that is typical Palace. Maybe that is something we're not. We still have an issue with. Then maybe I just don't want it to be. Uh, but yeah, I, I just think there's 
I'm still. I'm. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm really finding green shoots where I, like I can. It. I just. I just think we. You also have, have green shoots behind you in your flat. Yes. Yes. I mean, some of them are yellow and I've, I've overwatering, but we have. We, we nicked a point against Brighton. We played well at Brentford. No one. We didn't expect anything from that game, really. I know it's Brentford aren't a glamour name, but. They've we've we people are lying if they said we were thought we were gonna go away go there and get a win. United? We nicked a draw against United. And these are with <laughs> a, a team at Palace side that can't score goals. We still keep ourselves in these games. We still now we've getting players coming back. We're yeah. gonna get better. We only got some of them back on Saturday. Anderson started. We looked immensely better almost immediately. And that's no shade on Chris Richards or even uh, James Tompkins more recently. Uh, we'll, Ebbs, we'll get to back in yes. the side. It's a confusing one for me because I maintain that he is not a wide left player, but he was absolutely magnificent <laughs> yeah. when he came on in that area. And I don't know, and, and Lukonga, first start on Saturday. We need to have a mention for him. Yeah. Patrick Riera booed for taking him off. He was that good, essentially. Yeah. Um, Sorry, about that, Patrick. Sorry. Yeah, I yeah, but I I you know I figured it was a fitness thing. Hundred percent. He had sixteen yeah, months yeah, in the big. tank. It yeah. was definitely not. A, you're not up to it. Yeah. The, uh, the only he, thing, I mean, if you look at the pattern of results, I'm just looking forward to next season's two really entertaining two-two draws against Brentford. Yeah. <laughs> so you just yeah. just look at the money on it. We're, we're <laughs> getting a we're getting a goal better each year. Yeah. And so, and so are they. So, so yeah, Yano <laughs> will be involved in the late equaliser yeah. somehow. He'll be in a dugout. Um, a full cycle with him, yeah. yeah. Robin Mickelberg again has said um, there was a good bit of commentary on the Palace game as he watched it. The commentator said, "This is a typical Palace. This this is typical Palace this season." So uh, there you go. I think it, it's been confirmed. Uh, Fifteen minutes of good, positive, high pressing, and the moment the other team breaks out, they lose confidence and retreat sixty yards. But there you go. It's been confirmed. It maybe it was typical Palace. Oh. Maybe that is just, just about the commentary, international feet. I can't remember the last time I watched Palace highlights or. You know, their kind of sky feed. I think it's the world feed where Effin Okoku wasn't the co commentator. Yeah. Like, he literally is the only guy they give to Palace games now. Does he Does he still live out near Sellers Park? Well, yeah, apparently he's he's a player yeah, of Wimbledon. Proximity of Wimbledon. Yeah, yeah. It must be. I mean, shout, shout out to Effin. He's probably listening for weekly analysis. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to you, Effin. Um, James Jeffrey. Hello, hey, James. Hey, James. Has said, FFS Palace, as I sat with my laptop on my laptop watching Soccer Saturday. Saying out loud, come on, Palace, don't let me down. When in added time, inevitably they do. I, mean, I think the biggest problem there that, is he's got two laptops. I was going to say, that guy's doing well. I, 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 yeah, no sympathy for him. He's, he's got two laptops. Like, he's, he's doing okay. <laughs> he's doing all right. Yeah, he's having a great time watching <laughs> multiple games. Um, right, let's move on to something po- more positive, which is, as you'd mentioned there, Joe, uh, the performance of Ebreze. Uh, Kyle... Hello, Kyle. Hey, Kyle. Hey, Kyle. Says, is it me or does it look as if Eze has got some of his mojo back? Uh, clearly, Joe, you thought the same thing watching him come on. So he, he came on for Lukonga and played wide left. Is that right? Oh, no, you got me. That that feels right. He came on, <laughs> he went wide left and Jeff dropped into the position right. where Lukonga would be next to Decore. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think that might. I don't know how much of the derision was in terms of being annoyed of Lukonga coming off was the fact that you know some people want Schlup off in that circumstance because 
in theory, Lukonga means the end of slipping midfield, or certainly that. I think you're being very kind there, Joe. I think that's entirely what the boo was about. Yeah. In the if it's going to be anyone off, then Jeff, who had been a complete passenger. Yeah. They were quite. I mean, sorry, this is a bit about Evs, but just a, there was a couple of boos on Saturday. Like Mateta got a big cheer when he went off, and and it, it was masked in the end by applause and songs because I mean, yeah, it was just didn't it seemed a bit off key. Whether he's good or not, good uh, I'm with you. That that was that was a bit bizarre. There, there was a bit of a bite in the away end on on Saturday, kind of yeah. before and after we scored for different reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, Evs when he came on, I. <sighs> I wasn't expecting much on that side because I've been quite vocal on here about, I just don't think it's his best position. And it seems to be somewhere, uh, another of those kind of square peg situations, which uh, is often leveled upon Vieira and and the team selection generally, really, especially when a couple of players are missing, but he was excellent. He had, he had their right back having total nightmares and he was cutting inside. He was creating loads of space for himself. And I actually think He's heavily involved in the setup to his own goal as well. Mm-hmm. I feel like on that on the left hand yeah, side, I think he's the one that sends Ayu down the flank, which yeah. kind of is the first phase, and then I think Ebbs follows that pattern of play, and then is that the point where he makes that late run into the box to kind of make the cross? Yeah, and we we looked we looked immediately better when he came on the pitch. We looked very exciting. I think often we've been really disappointed at the inability to get players like him on the ball. Uh, in attacking situations quick enough. And I felt like that was the op- Saturday was the opposite of that. Once he came on, I felt we were getting the ball to those type of players as often as I've seen in a while, actually. Um, I don't know if that's Anderson being in the team again or just more confidence in the, te- the players that we had. I, I, I thought it was brilliant and it was really nice. All this stuff of, I mean, you referenced it last week, I think the kind of BBS title thread of, is you know is he over the hill and stuff like that? And just like no, this is a player that just use him properly, or uh, you know in the right situations he's going to be the player that unlocks. I don't necessarily expect him to be on the end of these things, but if he chips in with those as well, even better as we saw on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a nice header. Technically, got the assist for uh, Tompkins' goal against Brighton as well. Um, I would imagine. Does that Did count? He? No, no, that was Elise. It's Elise crossed that. Oh, was it yeah. Lisa? Oh, I thought yeah. it was Ebbs that crossed it. Okay, well, at least I guess he assists then, I think. It was for, definitely uh, probably David Sanchez who got the assist for that one, wasn't it? <laughs> can, you get, can you get... Yeah, does he, get a, does he get a bonus for that? Is it, was on the... <laughs> yeah, mate, three points assist. I know you're um, all fantasy on, uh, on JD. I know, I didn't, and again, I didn't say it, Jack. I didn't say it. Joe said it. I, no, no, yeah. you didn't, but I, I will, I'll be the one that apologises to listeners. <laughs> but um, Elisa, who, by the way celebrated that goal like crazy when it's not him i think he's really happy for other people (laughs) um yeah good the the thing is uh jack about players like ebbs is there are so many more variables in games than simply just playing a player in a position or Mm -hmm. or not or bringing him on at a certain time you know it depends on how high the opposition are playing it depends on how wide or tucked in their fullbacks are that it depends on the flow of the game like, there are so many different variables but clearly that was and Vieira's substitutions do get criticized a lot often on this pod that was the right time to make that sub and the right player coming on at the right position mm, yeah it's a funny one because there was that the the kind of audible booing of, of the sub but that was more to or certainly more to do with Lukonga being the one to go rather than Ebbs coming on but I actually felt quite sad that Ebbs who we all love so much is coming onto a pitch with a audible boo to welcome him 
And I hope he didn't take any of that. Maybe it spurred him on a bit. But I guess last week, I, met, I, well, I don't guess it, I did say last week that he kind of came on against Brighton and just did shuttle runs for 20 minutes. And that was really disappointing. And I, I kind of made the point, I think the, the manager needs to get more out of him and find a way to, to game. And I guess the difference is by the time he came on against Brighton, we were 1-1 and very much, you know, backs against the walls. Let's get this, let's get this point home, this undeserved point home. Whereas on Saturday he came on at nil-nil and the game was quite open in the sense that it was there for the take. It wasn't a particularly open game of football, but there were, there were points there if he wanted it. I think just before he came on, I actually turned to my cousin and said, there's a win here if we want it. And I think that probably is the different instruction that Vieira gave him. Go and get on the ball. Go and, you know, bring other players into play and make that late run into the box. And, you know, it, it kind of proved to, to be his moment. It was a, it was a really lovely goal and, and he took it very well. He, he would have done well to miss it, but he, he takes it well. But it's all about the run. It's that late run into the box that he did at Soften at QPR. We've seen it a few times at Palace. He scored that header against Wolves only on the season from the kind of back stick angle as well. So... Really pleased. I, he certainly did enough to to get a start on Saturday. Uh, I'd be looking at a way of getting uh, Barich Eze in the starting eleven for Saturday. So, um, yeah, really pleased for him. And um, it puts those who have been critical, including myself, away for a couple of weeks. Yeah, well, hopefully it is a couple of weeks. And hopefully it isn't next week that we're then talking about. it's a couple of months. Hope, hope we don't have to kind yeah. of return to it again. Yeah, he, he's the one player, we've said it before, the one player that everyone's desperate to see. Do well for Palace. The goal meant a lot to him. I mean, very cool celebration initially, but as kind of the rest of the team disperse and, and go back to the half, he hangs around for a little bit and he he probably gives it to the fans. That that so meant a lot up. to him. It'll be yeah, 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 big big moment. Um, and also kudos to him. He, he uh, sorry, it's, it's kind of taking us away from the point about ever each Eze, but I do wonder if there's a Premier League directive that squads are not meant to go anywhere near their away fans anymore because. On Saturday, and I normally I'm not one to comment on this. I, I'm not. I don't normally get offended by players not engaging with their fans or anything like that. You know, I appreciate they they've got their own emotions to deal with. But maybe the late result. But given how compact the G Tech Stadium is, it was a bit peculiar that Ebbs was the uh, the player that got the closest to the away fans, and he was probably still 30 yards away from them. So, yeah, a bit odd. And I I wonder if there's a directive from the Premier League to to avoid any sort of issue but yeah, yeah I know there's been a bit of talk about that on, on socials the Roy Hodgson directive I believe it's known as uh, is that the, what did, if, the did, away, if the away fans are more than 50 yards away it's too far and you can't you can't go and see them I generally you're such a good actor I don't know whether you're pulling my leg or not I'm pulling your leg it's from oh. Hodgson at Sellers last season straight down oh, the tunnel <laughs> come on sorry what is that sorry. long ago or was it such Actually, a was good it moment it was nearly a year ago sorry yeah I forgot we're recording a Watford podcast here so yeah sorry about that I'll get them mentioned somehow. Um, good. Let's hope Ed uh, does more of that. After, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, to quote a listener, Eze, is, Eze was a vibe on Saturday. Oh, yeah. Should we right. do a, t- a title? Shout out. Should that be our title this week? Which is actually... Eze, Eze, was, a vi- Eze was a vibe. Eze was a vibe. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, just again, more positive. These are the only other positive questions we have before we get back into the negative. Uh, Tim Byers. Hey, Tim. Hi, Tim. Hi, Tim. Is Tim. one of our US-based uh, listeners. Um, if Palace deserved three points from that performance, and I thought so, does getting just one mean this was two undeserved one-point finishes in a row? Nice little nod to last week. And Crispin Chapel, Hey, Crispin. Probably Crispin. our best-named listener. It says, given the VAR error last week against that lot, nice yes. nod to last week's pod, um, I'll take the point. Uh, devastatingly frustrating as it is, but hopefully it will spur them on with a bit of pre-Christmas level confidence. And Darren Menezes, Hey Darren. Hi Darren. Hi Darren says massive disappointment. We couldn't see it out, but we've now taken points of Brighton and Brentford, who are doing much better than us. So at least it wasn't a loss. 
let's go and get a result against Liverpool. So some nice positive spins, I think, on that point and in relation to yeah. the more undeserved point from last week. So these things do even out. They do no, have a funny way of doing that. JD, I've, I've quoted the the website, the kind of sport forecasting website, 538 a few times yeah. this season. The prospect of relegation stayed exactly the same after that result, despite the results below us probably not being ideal. Mm. So we're still considered, I think, an 8% chance of going down this season. Aston Villa's increased from 1% to 2%. So, you know, let's, let's look at others around us. They, it, oh, yeah. I mean, it's going to take a little while for them to be properly down there. But, um, yeah, in terms of the kind of forecast for where we are at in this stage of the season, that result didn't really have much of a difference. I'll take 8%. To where we're at. I think 8%, eight percent. We'll take that. Yeah, yeah, big time. That's yeah, that's absolutely fine. If I told you there was eight percent chance of something happening on the pod, you know, an eight percent chance of us going through the pod without mentioning Conor Gallagher, you'd and I've done it now. So <laughs> that's <laughs> damn it. When it comes to business and meeting travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold your meeting or the innovative industries that will make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insights said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when work wraps up for the day, the evening is just getting started. I'd love to tell you about all the 46 Michelin-rated restaurants, or the array of outstanding dishes that'll have you coming back again and again. But executive chef Guillaume Rabin of Lake Nona Wave Hotel can sum it up better than me. Orlando has a world of artisans, so you can try incredible cuisines from across the globe. It's so true, and there's so much more. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. Let's get on to another former Palace loanee, Jean-Philippe Mateta, um, who is, well, we've got a question. We've got a question from a panelist. It's from, it's from Grace Matheson. Hey, Grace. Hey, Grace. Hello, Grace. And she simply says, if Mateta is the answer, what is the question? The bit question, Confucius, that, isn't it? The question is, who is the tallest man to not be able to win a header? <laughs> Oh, that's another thing in one of our groups. I think he's won the lowest yes. one of the lowest amounts of um I'll uh, just I'll just open it up here. Okay, what's it the lowest amount of aerial battles? I think I think this Jordan is, the, is also. Yeah, this is from the Athletic. Um percentage of aerial duels lost this season in the Premier League. Um now I'm gonna read it in the order of the top. So the top is Jared Bowen, who's lost 70% of his aerial duels. Makes sense. Wow. He's not a tall guy. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Ronnie next Corbett. Is, Ronnie exactly. Corbett. Yeah. No, seriously, because the next one is Rodrigo at Leeds, who, again, is a small guy. Yeah. This yeah. It all checks out. Yeah. Jordan Ayew is third. Okay. And small guy. I guess for the same reasons. Then it's Leon Bailey, Mikel Antonio, uh, Gabriel Jesus, Shea Adams, who is toilet, and uh, <laughs> John Philippe Mateta, who wow. is... I guess Antonio is a bit of a physically imposing mm. guy. Yeah. But Mateta is still the tallest person on that list by a distance. Easily. And people after him are, are other strikers that are misfiring and stuff. It's, 
it's it's actually we're not we're not seeing things, and there was definitely instances. Also, it doesn't even necessarily have to be about the one-on-one duels. In terms of just like general hold-up plays, That's just shocking. missing something at the moment. Like shocking. And uh, I say something; it's been indicative all season, really. But it's yeah, it really makes it difficult to keep attacks going when you know we're already aware that we've got quite a depleted front line at the moment. It's not the most well-worked, uh, fluid. Uh, moves when we're going forward. And yet, first half, Ayu and Elise in particular were really mm-hmm. going for it. Um, Quite busy. Yeah, you had uh, Lakonga, who I have to... There's, there's this one pass in the first Ooh. half to either Jeff or Mitchell. Yeah, I, think left-hand side. I think it's Ty, Tyree. Inside the fullback, is it? Yeah. yeah. They got a big... You know, we've spoken about the, the, the away and having a bit of bite. I mean, that, the away and gave a very audible woo when yeah, that happened. That, that was nice. Yeah, that, that was, was very nice. nice. And... But Mateta in, in a lot of those kind of attacks, just, just the ball would fall off his hit his knee and come away from him, or it would just kind of grind to a halt and oh, it's really frustrating. I, th- I think like I I said last week, he's clearly lacking confidence, but he does he does show for the ball still. Yes, yeah. So you've got to give him credit for that. But technically, guys, it's it's just a bit cringeworthy now. Like the the point of the second half where I think even after we went one up and we're kind of riding the wave a bit, it still doesn't stick with him. Yeah. Um, and it's it's very difficult to get a consistent flow going in one direction of the pitch yeah. when your kind of lone striker can't hold the ball up at all. I think he did hold the ball up successfully once, I recall, and it got a bit of a sarcastic applause from the away end. Yeah. Um, but... <sighs> Uh, yeah, there's there's kind of not really it's, a lot to say anymore. We, you know, stats yeah. like Joe's just highlighted. It just kind of sums it up, really. It is yeah. getting a bit with him. It is getting. I think before it was a bit like, oh, this guy's a bit, oh, not like great. Or maybe some people thought he had something to him, and other people. And I, I feel a little bit not vindicated, but like or depressingly vindicated. Where I, I I thought it would come to this at some point that yeah. he, his ability would lack of ability would shine through. We're, we're two um, years get, in. We're, we're two years yeah. into the Jean Philippe Matera experiment now. Yeah. But it's getting a bit toxic. I feel I feel like Saturday maybe is the first time that actually starting to from what yeah. you're saying from the away end reactions, yeah. it's getting a little bit toxic. And actually, even yeah. just his presence in the team, you know, I mean, I might, d- I, might, despite I, might the, be, I might be rewriting history a bit here. I can't. I think I'm right in saying that we we went one. Yeah, because he was there for the celebration, of course. Yeah, so we're one nil up, and a player still gets booed off. It's just a bit weird now with him. Um, and we've talked about Edward, and we've talked about the the issues with Edward. But actually, I, I thought he did pretty well when he came on on, on Saturday. He showed some nice touches, as Joe uh, touched on earlier. There was a moment when he could have struck it a bit earlier, and, and a more confident Edward yeah. probably does. Um, but. Who knows what we'll see on Saturday? I, I didn't think we'd see Mateta at Brentford. I don't think we'll see him this Saturday, but I'm fully expecting to see him this Saturday. <laughs> you, you, you think, right, if if he offers that little physically, mm. maybe I think the idea of Mateta might make teams set up in a particular way. But if they do any kind of, so much as watch a game, <laughs> they'll know that that's not really what his game is. And I think if you're Palace, it's almost a waste of time to go, well, we've got a big man up top. They go, well, but if he can't do those, if he can't do that hold up play and he's not a menace in the air, you think most of his goals for Palace, right? I'm trying to think the Norwich, or you go all the way back, the first goal away at Brighton, the back yeah, heel. Nice. Um, 
six yard box. Yeah. Um, Norwich at home, which is the kind of the beginning of the comeback, that is in the penalty area. <laughs> Don't call it a comeback, Joe. Don't yeah. call it a comeback. Yeah. <laughs> in the penalty area, first time finish. Very yeah. similar goal against Everton in the FA Cup. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think I think Millwall is the only header, right? Um, unless he got one at Goodison yeah. that was a header. That was a very scrappy goal to my memory. Oh yeah, it? that was a header in the three-two. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was a header. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I feel like most of he, he's he yeah. always he's always better in the he's kind of like this fox in the box, but we don't get the ball there. So no. Wolves has a tap in at the back post after that sort of scrambled. Oh, yes, across the yes, line. yes. yes. Watford, he scored away at Watford, and what was that? Was that a, that a tap-in as well? I can't remember. I can't remember that. That goal. was inside. I mean, I've kind of rewritten that that kind of came off his ass, to be honest, to just yeah. I don't <laughs> even, Fair enough. Yeah. I couldn't even tell. The, the thing with that type of finish that you're, that you're really looking for in the Premier League, the one that kind of runs between the lines of the penalty area, is probably playing a really pivotal role in the move that leads to the ball going in the box. And at the moment, yeah. when he has the he, opportunity to play that role, he's fluffing his lines yeah. time after time after time. Yeah. Um, look, you could have the, you know, with every performance of Jean-Philippe Metesta at the moment, you know, you hear a little bit more about Christian Benteke and she'll be letting go. I don't really know where I stand on that because, well, we, if we were seeing enough from Christian Benteke, we wouldn't have seen anything of Jean-Philippe Metesta and, and yeah. Patrick Vieira certainly wouldn't have sanctioned um, that the move uh, for Benteke without a kind of replacement. And maybe there were moves in the offing that never kind of came to fruition, but... Jean-Philippe and, and Odds Edward are what we got until May and then the club have really got to make a proper decision about where we go because we cannot be going into next season with just those two. Can I make, can I, in defence of, of it's sort of in defence of Mateta, but not really, backhandedly, but in defence of the club and of Dougie and the board, finding a Premier League striker that regularly scores goals is really really difficult i mean you mentioned chairdoms there southampton have struggled for ages Ad, adam, armstrong, adam armstrong the number yeah. of players they've been through that don't score goals players that we were linked with yeah you, you basically have to have 40 or 50 million quid spare to spend on a striker that might not even settle or do well and um, we talked about brighton before brighton have chucked loads of money at strikers that haven't done well in the premier league in recent years it is really hard and for a club and if you listen to the last patron pod with Palace's budget, it's almost impossible to find yeah, we, a striker. I thought you were talking about the, the Bruce Dyer special in your Patreon episode. Yeah. <laughs> Quite, yeah, that was, uh, you got a bit laboured after yeah. a while. You were trying that was to a lot of Bruce Dyer talk. Trying to, yeah. trying to do the maths. But um, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're totally in, the, in the, the market of having to speculate in that part of the yeah. pitch. And I think we always will do. And, and you, as you say, we've seen teams that have, have been willing to go okay, we'll pay that little bit extra in order to get that player ahead of somebody else. And it's still just been an absolute failure. And they've had to write off, you know, we really struggled to write off the Benteke money in the end to the point where we just kind of kicked kicked it up the road and kept him around yeah. uh, just because in case we might get some money for him. And it's horrible. You're going to have some real, some real duds in, in that as a result. Brighton's a great example for a, a, a club that's, rent, you know, celebrated for its um, recruitment. Mm. You, I remember they bought you Hank Bash, who yeah, was the yeah, yeah. Eredivisie top scorer. Yeah. By all accounts, is really crafty signing. Yeah, I think bar one goal against us, maybe just completely nothing. Uh, Lucardi was another yeah. one. Andone. Yeah, Florian Andone was was ten million plus. Danny Welbeck has was this kind of free transfer, and it was very much a case of no one else is going there because of his fitness. Yeah. Again, even they're having to speculate, and these are considered 
transfer geniuses. I mean, Southampton have. I think Southampton, did Southampton buy another striker in the January window for yeah, silly money right from Bell. I mean, the Brighton point. <laughs> Probably the, the Brighton point just highlights that we shouldn't have sold Glenn Murray. But that's a whole different no, podcast. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, if we had Glenn Murray, like we, you know, if we'd had Glenn Murray from that season. Um, when Pardew got rid of him for another two years, then he I don't doubt that he would have scored at least 10 goals in both those seasons yeah. Um, yeah. for the rest of his contract. And then and we shipped him out to Bournemouth for 3.5. I mean, JD, I take your point entirely about how difficult recruitment is. Recruitment across the pitch is difficult. Yeah. But for one season out of 10 to have a prolific number nine, it, we should be better than that. I mean, we've had one season of Ben Teke being brilliant. Um, apart from that, I know we've had Wilf contribute massively. Luke has contributed from from midfield um but in terms of number nine it's been 10 years of pretty pretty much nothing at that point of the pitch and it's difficult but look the only good thing is they've they've got months to prepare for the summer they've got they've had months to prepare since Benteke left last summer they'll have known that the summer 2023 is when they need to go into the market um it's not that man are you gonna make me Glen Murray even more no um is it Bruce Dyer on Valentine's Day, we we missed the date with a reunion with an ex that was available. Connor Wickham signed on a free for Cardiff. He did. <laughs> did. I would, I would have had him back. Would have had him back. But um, just to re- so Southampton did spend twenty four point six million on a twenty eight year old striker from Genk called Paul Unuachu. Who, if you search his name online, I'll tell you the first thing that comes up is that he scored the world's worst ever hat trick. Oh, I've seen the hat trick. <laughs> so um, it's literally it's it's one of those where he's threw on goal. Yeah, he's, I think kicked, I've kicked, seen that. he's kicked his own legs, and the ball was sort of the keeper's gone dummy. He's always accidentally dummy the keeper, and he does it twice. Um, obviously, we'll take a striker that scores bad <laughs> hat tricks right now. It went in, but. Yeah, but that's that's the market that is available yeah. to clubs at our level at the moment. He's and we we can't even afford that. He's is very he tall. Like, he's six foot nine or something. Yeah. yeah, I saw that video, and the last goal is a penalty, and really disappointingly, he just rolls it in the back of the net. But I was yeah. expecting it to hit the keeper's head and then hit the yeah. post and come out and hit him on the arse and go in. It's disappointingly <laughs> quite a good penalty. But yeah, really and nice. that's. That's 25 million. We have yeah. not got 25 million for a striker. No. Certainly not a 28 year old from Belgium. It makes. There, but then the you look at again, you, money, doesn't it? it? Makes Jordan Ayew look actually. I know he gets hammered. It does make him look like for what it was it, two it, and a half million. It does, but yeah. Brighton have just picked up someone who looks very, very impressive from the League of Ireland. Like I know we've talked about Killian yeah. Phillips in the past. We've Ferguson. talked about Jake O'Brien, Evan Ferguson. Like yeah. that guy looks like Harry Kane, Mark yeah. too. Yeah, you know there are there are youngsters out there, and and hopefully we're going to start blooding them throughout our own academy. But yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, let's go it's, back it's, to start. Jean Philippe Mateta ain't the one. So let, let's just cut it there. <laughs> that sounds like that Southgate song from uh, from, the, from the World Cup. I'm not singing. We'll get Atomic Kitten to sing that one as well. Yeah. But, um, just really quickly on that, Spendy S P E E S D Y Spendy agrees with you, Jack. Why the hell can't we buy a striker that scores regularly? It's been years and we still don't have one. And there's a fair, very fair point. But I think we've done our Mateta chat for today, and we probably have to wrap up questions in a minute actually, because I'm quite a lot of time talking about Mateta. Um, before we do that. Oh, have we got time? Have we got time to go into Vieira chat? What do you think, boys? Well, I'm still in Vieira. We trust, man. So there's not a lot for me to say. Well, can but... I just read this? Because I'll just read this question and we'll go on because it's it's a fair point. And, and Jack, you did pick this one out before the pod uh, from N One C. Well, Nickerbocker Glory is their name, but with a one yeah. as the. That's nice. a lovely password. It's a password. Or his username. <laughs> I might have just read out his password. I apologise. Um, 
I think people are deluded if they think another manager, barring a Pulis type, will get more out of this squad than Vieira. We have gaping holes in our squad. It would be a bit unfair for the board to sack the manager because the board didn't buy what we needed in the last two transfer windows. Not saying he's a perfect manager, but certainly not as bad as some are saying. That's pretty much what we've just been saying, Joe, isn't it, really? In terms of the last 45 minutes? Yeah, unless you unless you get a... As they say, a manager whose entire philosophy is right, hold on for dear life and we'll we'll <laughs> catch something on the we'll catch something on the break. That's that's what you might be able to achieve with a more limited because again, this is we've had a depleted first team for quite a while. Saturday was the first game we've had Anderson for a while. Richards mm-hmm. did well in his stead, but Richards doesn't have that long range of passing that totally changes the way we mm-hmm. build up. And yes, we've had some some well more than a few sort of pains having to deal with players missing and trying to play the same way. We we sort of eventually learned to adapt where necessary, certainly in that Brighton game, although that was difficult to watch. And, you know, I feel like if we had, we were playing negative stuff right now and still getting the same results, I feel like people would still be complaining. So uh, yeah, I, I, I think we've had injury crises before in the Premier League. I don't think we're necessarily in one of those, but we remember what it's like when as my one or two good players are missing and suddenly our form has fallen off a cliff. I think even Pardew, as bad as it was uh, on his part for a few things, including sort of seeing Glenn Murray off to pretty quickly, but he had to deal with some pretty bad injury crisis at some points. Yeah. Roy Hodgson, of course, the Zaharan, uh, Zaharan Townsend in a front two, like, yeah. One of those things where it worked once and then we just seemed to have to persist with it and it never worked again. But we, we've had some stinkers and we've had to endure those as a result. And I don't understand why Vieira isn't getting that same grace. I think it's just because there hasn't been a win in there to just kind of remind us that we've got it in us. The um, the Alan Pardew revisionism that's currently going on is quite interesting. I mean, that guy, it's a great time with Alan Pardew. I'm not going to ignore those, but we did have a year of absolute nothing with with him. And, and it was he twelve. Did, it he, was twelve whole months. It was twelve whole months. The whole yeah. t- 2016 yeah. was it? Yeah. Um, you know, great cup run. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, yeah. Anyway, I mean, look, I, I said before we recorded about this Patrick Vieira issue. You sack a manager now. Leeds sat Jesse Marsh. I doubt Javi Garcia was in their top 25 candidates to to replace mm-hmm. him. Like. You don't just sack a manager mid-season unless you've got an absolute, you know, guilt-edge opportunity to go and get someone that you've wanted before, perhaps, or somebody you know is going to do the job a bit like Everton and Dyche. Um, but who would we get in right now if we sacked him? We'd be looking yeah. at the same market of manager that the Leeds have been. And it's very... It's, look, the Premier League, for all its glories, can't get the managers out of Eredivisie or, or La Liga or, or mid-table of La Liga at the moment. And, and Palace love them as I do, are not a bigger draw than Leeds United are in terms of kind of European pedigree. So, or no, financial. I, or financial, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So, um, no, I, I I think we we stick with Patrick Vieira until almost we're at the, the door of relegation, to be honest. I, yeah. I, I really don't see how we could improve on the situation um, simply by just sacking him. There's I, a... Yeah, I agree. Yeah. There's a kind of... I can't remember who originated it, but there's this phrase, it's almost become kind of a meme online about people coming out of relationships at a certain time of year or, you know, freshly divorced or whatever. And I think it was someone like that. He'd kind of came out of a relationship and was like, cool, I'm going to be live the single life again. And after one club night, he came back and just went online and said, look, 
you guys do not want to be outside, right? This is like, <laughs> where, forget what you forget what your single friends call it. Call friends tell you your single friends tell you you don't want to be outside. It is it is miserable. It is terrible. It's just no fun at all. Take me back to the good times. And I feel like we do not, as a club, want to be outside right now. We do there's. We do not want to be looking around for who's interested because I think we're going to be mortified yeah. at what's available. Completely well, uh, come on down, Frank Lampard. That is that's yeah, where we be. Ge- genuinely, yeah. I feel like Chris Wilder would be the best candidate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. finally, <laughs> Sam Allardyce vindicated in his recommendation seven yeah. years later. Yeah. yeah, and you think like I see like a um, QPR's like market. I was seeing the other day like they. I think they said oh, Chris Wilder might have even turned that down. And yeah. that was, that's kind of the level he's looking for a level above. And I'm thinking, who above QPR is going to hire you? Yeah. But I guess it would maybe us, maybe maybe whoever's next, maybe West Ham. I guess it would have been Deitch, it would have been Deitch, wouldn't it, if he hadn't got yes. the job? It would have been. Yeah, but now that's gone. It, it really is us trying to. Well, Nathan Jones. You know, it's just like it's. I don't know. Thank you. I'm you quite what, if, happy with what we've got. If Patrick, let's not talk about who succeeds Patrick Vieira. But for, yeah, I just mentioned Lampard. It would be Lampard. It would be Gerrard. You know, that's the type of name that would be linked with him. Southgate. Um, so, yeah, Southgate. I mean, may come knocking again. Um, it's yeah. uh, the Paris run of ex England yeah. managers. Ex- yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, Terry Venable's still working. Uh, <laughs> don't know. Um, but the uh, the one who is impressive, and and if Patrick Vieira for whatever reason wants to leave in the summer, and and Middlesbrough don't come up, I go knocking down their door for Michael Carrick. Michael yeah. Carrick. Oh my god! But how old did that make you feel, Michael Carrick? Well, you Paris. know. You know what made me feel young there the other day, seeing Theo Walcott still playing football. I was like, oh, I still could make it. <laughs> yeah. I could yeah. still make it. Yeah, I was thinking he'd be top of a list of footballers you didn't know were still playing football. Yeah, yeah that's a that's a joke. Anyway, probably, this, questions, prob- this, uh, this question section has gone on a long time. Sorry, yeah. it has. No, no, I'm, I'm going to have to put an advert in the middle of this section <laughs> yeah. break it up because it's been... <laughs> just really quickly, uh, just sorry to... The likes of Edward Ware, Rob Aldinho, Paul O'Hara, Bobby, Adam Jordan, Jack Cooper, Son A, Chrissy Boy, and a few others who have all asked us questions about We the do Eric look future. at all of them that we like. We talk about, all, and it's the themes that, you know, we do try and cover the themes, yeah. but there's been loads over the last few weeks that we've not yeah. been able to get to. We, so we haven't, we, we've done that one question there. We haven't really gone into it. We may have to in future weeks, but right now we're just, we're, we're skirting around the edge because we don't want to be outside right now, yeah. um, which is a lovely like way of putting it. Really love that. Queuing outside, um, tiger, tiger. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No thanks. Not interested. Did, did what was that nightclub in there was that nightclub on off the Pearly Way that all the Palace players used to go to? What one was that? It wasn't Tiger Tiger. Blue Orchid. Blue Orchid. Oh yeah. You guys ever go there? Slightly too young. Uh shut before I was old enough to go. Yeah. <laughs> did did Amen. once date someone that claimed to be a dancer there once though, so you know, I got What's the other one? What's the other one that's in Clapham? Uh Infernos. Inferno, that's still about. Is it? I think that's the one where I think uh, I don't. I haven't. I think that's the one where Margot Robbie was kind of reported as being packed at. Go well, she before she was a famous actress, she would go out partying in Clapham, and so now people really? bring it up in every interview of her. It's too many obvious Australians in Clapham yes. to be making yeah. here. Yeah. 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 Anyway, anyway, um, let's wrap up. Thank you for your questions. Uh, please keep sending them in uh, after the break. Uh, winners and losers. Welcome back to the Fire Pan Podcast. Hey. 
Sponsored by Eternity Home Finance for a free consultation on taking advantage of current falling mortgage rates, email info at eternityhomefinance.com and quote the code FYP. I was about to do a joke about Palace falling at the same time. I'm not going to do it. That's too crass, Jim. We'll save that for a few weeks' time. Um, it's winners and losers, which is a patron-only section. So if you want to hear this, you must be a patron. Um, and you can sign up at patron.com slash FYP podcast. If you're on the public feed, you're going to hear a clip from the post-match pod with Rob and Dom. Um, and if you like the sound of that, again, you can get that on Patreon uh, every single game. Come and give um, it a go, guys. Give it a go. Give it a go. And as I said before, that get involved in that Palace shirt, which is currently 20% off because it does look absolutely gorgeous. And that is running for literally one more week. So time to get involved in that. Um, uh, right. L- Lawrence Wellenbowen on this week's pod. Wasn't expecting such a <laughs> lovely description. <laughs> is that the first time the word gorgeous has ever been uttered on this podcast? Potentially, yeah. Mm. Lawrence mm. Llewellyn Bowen, that, that is a, you are dating yourself there. And I know I said Blue Orchid in the last part, but you are dating yourself. We are, but this is, a, this is a 90s, 90s yeah. throwback pod. Big For time. more Bruce Dyer chat, join <laughs> up at patreon.com. <laughs> uh, right, let's make the split now. What were your thoughts, Dom, on, on Lekonga's debut? Start uh, uh, debut, yeah, debut start, first start of the, game of, of the season for, for Palace. Yeah, he did okay. He, he uh, I was a bit surprised to to hear some of Patrick Vieira's comments pre-match, suggesting that he maybe wasn't quite ready to to make a proper impact yet. I mean, don't really know. I don't really understand the context of that. Again, it goes back to the conversation we had uh, maybe a couple of weeks back about why you bring a lone player in towards the end of the window. You you, you want them to, to go straight into the team and to be able to make an instant impact. And I, yeah, he was tidy. He was, he was better. He was more careful with the ball in, in central midfield. Uh, I, I mean, it wasn't, I, I, let's not kid ourselves. I don't think it was like a performance that completely illuminated the Hoover stadium. It was, it was just, he was just a lot, tidier and assured possibly and that's maybe that's what they need in there alongside Dekure. Um that's not really a reflection on Will Hughes either because he's 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 done a decent enough job in recent weeks. But I just thought the whole thing a very, very tight game between two teams actually looked very evenly matched on the day. Um but it, I it didn't tell us anything we didn't know really about Palace. Or yeah. probably about Brentford. It just I still thought we looked really gummy up top. We just there's no bite there at all. Yeah. Um it was a lovely, lovely goal and we scored it and it but it came as a bit of a surprise when we did. Yeah. Um but it was beautifully crafted, lovely finish. Um and look, it's you know, weirdly, I, I didn't actually see them coming back into it. I thought we'd weathered it all, and it's just yeah. one little bit of carelessness in the sixth minute of stoppage time, which which costs everybody and 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 really sucks the the joy out of the performance and the and and what would have been quite a restorative victory. It's funny how this, that split second has completely changed everything around the game because I think there's, there will be a lot of negativity around that that result. Well, actually, you know, pre-match we would have all taken a one-all draw against a team unbeaten and ten in the top top division and playing as well as they have been because a lot of those games against being against teams in the top six, but. Then, then you can see the ninety-six minute equaliser and realise that the bottom three all win. Yeah, and suddenly you're you're actually closer to the relegation zone than when you started. Um, and with West Ham to play tomorrow against an incredibly inconsistent Tottenham, so it's 
yeah it's 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 a bit of a sucker punch really and it sort of takes the uh takes the wind out of everything a win would have would have turned what felt what is what one defeat in four games it would have turned it into one defeat two draws uh sorry, three draws and a win that that in itself actually doesn't sound so bad but when you talk about it like in the context of it being four draws i don't know to me i feel i feel like given that if you actually talk to a lot of Palace fans or if you look at Twitter, which is a really bad kind of <laughs> bellwether of what Palace fans are thinking, because a lot of them seem to just be there to to focus on every possible negative and to set themselves up for disappointment, no matter which way you look at it. Um, if you looked, if you ask people, you know, we're going into this run of games that's really challenging. We've actually picked up four points, which is, I think, more than a lot of Palace fans might have expected. But really, it felt like that should have been we should have had two more today, especially. You just, it's so weird because it's Jordan Ayew, for example. It's the Jordan Ayew that we know that would run into the corner that against Watford a few years ago did exactly that and secured us the secured us the win by shithousing it in the corner and basically preventing the opposition from getting it. And instead, we just went for we we went for another for another goal when we really didn't need to. And it, it just there's a, there's like a clouded judgment amongst the players a little bit in that it's almost like a lack of confidence or maybe it's not confidence it's just a an, this this intent to win this intent to say like we can finally draw a line under it under this run of run of performances run of you know not winning that they that instead of actually just looking at it from a lo- logical perspective and saying this is it we're done we're going to you know, we're closing out the game. They went for that second, you know, cherry on top and, and ended up with cake in their faces, really, didn't they? Um, it, it was just, it's just disappointing, isn't it? Because it did turn what was actually quite a good performance into one that we're just going to end up with lots of people complaining about, J.D. It's apparently um, the, the fifth time since the start of last season that we've had a result-altering goal in the 90th minute, um, which is pretty damning. But then actually I, I I was ripping my hair out like everybody will have been when that went in. Um but then you sort of take a step back and you realise that deep into stoppage time against Brighton, McAllister misses a, a free header in front of goal and we get away with it, gain a point. Deep into stoppage time against Manchester United after we've just scored the most incredible goal at the other end to equalise. Casemiro misses a chance in the six-yard box completely on his own, deep into stoppage time. So it is something that is happening quite a lot. And you can look at that either way. You can look at it, well, okay, we've got a point out today. We've lost two points, but those are just the two points that we've gained because those guys didn't take those chances in the recent matches. Moreover, I think if if you're Patrick Vieira, you have to start wondering why that happened. And, And today was... I mean, you've, you've painted that brilliantly, Rob. It's, I mean, there were there were errors all over the pitch for that one. It was, I mean, Ayu's had a Mikel Antonio moment at one end. Um, he's then tracked back as much as he could, but then Eze, because of the nature of Brentford frantically going for the equaliser and Palace players being caught upfield, Eze is in no position at all to track Mbwemo down the left and to offer any kind of support to the left back who has been substituted because he's injured and Chris Richards I don't know whether I mean he's he's not obviously he's not a a left back by by trade that's not what he plays 
Um, and I think he probably thought, well, I'm not going to get close enough to Mbemo to stop the cross, so let's get more bodies in the middle to deal with the cross when it came over. And actually, it was a brilliant, brilliant cross, but three Palace centre-halves effectively went to pretty much the near post and the ball went to the back. Yeah. Uh, that's our winners and losers. If you enjoyed listening to that post-match pod snippet, you can get more of that at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, slash FAP podcast, and I'm with winners and losers. Right, quick break. After the break, that break, uh, we preview the Liverpool game. sponsored by our friends at eternity home finance for a free consultation on taking advantage of the current falling mortgage rates email info at eternityhomefinance.com and quote the code fyp right it's the uh the absolutely classic 745 kickoff on a saturday night the traditional (laughs) the traditional what are they doing i mean making money but even everyone's I, on their way out or, or yeah, I don't know. Well, I, and I'm not one to like, you know, feel sorry for Liverpool fans, but that is a hell of a trip home. I mean, getting all the way train. back to Enfield. God, bloody nightmare for them. God, hope they anyway, get right. what are we thinking, Jack? Cause, um, there's, there's line, there's striker lineup issues. There's left back issues, but the midfield starting to look a bit sorted, but, and Liverpool are now back on form. So I thought you were about to say saucy. Well, but that was the thing for a bit, wasn't it? Source, Source FC. Source, that was Source thing. FC. Um, uh, yeah, well, they're currently playing as we're recording, and I. There were a flurry t- of messages. So they they were they were two new up inside. Uh, ah. Fourteen minutes. It's now two two. Two two. Oh and great! Were, and weren't at the they time recording? A, it's half time. Def- glad we're weren't recording. They, weren't they <laughs> yeah. chasing a deficit of some sort? It, were they? No. And it's first leg. First leg. First oh, leg. Okay. But um, they are. They've had some horrid form over. A while, yeah. certainly by Liverpool standards, mm-hmm. that has picked up right on time to play, face us. Yeah, annoyingly, but they seem to have worked out their formula again now. The fullbacks are back in; they're doing okay. Van Dijk's fit again. Yeah, um, Gakpo's finally scoring. Nunez is still as chaotic as he was against us at the yeah. start, but it seems to be translating into goals. If not for him, then for others. Yeah, um, and they've got this new young kid called. Bajetic or Pachecic, who is yeah, yeah. Spanish lad, seems to have the energy, the new energy that they need in their midfield. So they look like prime Liverpool again at the moment. The so, only thing that I think is our kernel uh, to uh, that's right, the thing to hold on to mm. is that we are the sandwich fixture between yeah, two Champions two League games against Real Madrid. We're only at the time of recording; it's a half time in the the first leg, and it seems to be an absolute barn burner of a game. So it's they they not be able to take off foot off the gas at all. Mm. But looking at who's on their bench, I imagine we might end up seeing playing against the likes of Harvey Elliott, Jota, Jota yeah. Matip on on Saturday, which yeah. isn't still isn't a massive drop down to be honest. No. But with with Milner's playing, you know, if, where there's a mill, there's a way. Well, just get Wilf on the pitch and get him sent off. That's all you have to. That's nice. Yeah. I like that. Nice yeah. Are we um, expecting Wilf? He's back in training, isn't he? We he kicked a ball a, last week. Mate, I, I don't know. 
don't know where he's at, but maybe on the bench. Maybe. That would that be four weeks since Newcastle. Yeah. The quotes mm. the, the Vieira quotes that were sort of embargoed till Saturday morning last week mm. seem to suggest it was uh, it was still look it was still talk of weeks rather than days. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the the thing with Nunes, I saw a a friend of mine on Saturday night is a Liverpool fan, despite that I'm still friends with him. Um <laughs> and uh he said the thing with Nunes, he's chaos, but right now it's good chaos. Like he, he's just his speed getting up the pitch means that he just takes everyone with him, basically, whether they should be right now or not. Um, and I think it's probably the threat that he posed, albeit you know, Salah's rapper as well. But the, the threat that he posed is, I think, probably what led to Nick Pope's red card on, on Saturday. And the, the goalkeeper was playing sweeper. And you know, let's let's laugh at Newcastle for a second, that is absolutely hilarious. Um, what happened there, and the fact there are some Newcastle fans uh, objecting to it being a red card is, is just as funny, but. Uh, yeah, I, I, they are kind of back to the type of opposition you don't want to be playing on a Saturday. But as Joe says, wedge between two games, which pretty much their season depend on now, yeah. the, the Champions League games, it's probably not the worst time to be playing them. But whoever does play um, is still going to be a, a decent decent Liverpool team full of Champions League winners and finalists. So, um, yeah, I'm not expecting, uh, not expecting an easy game on Saturday. Um, as we head into Sunday morning, or whatever yeah. time it will be, when the yeah. time it finishes. Yeah. Again, we haven't seen this yet. We can just see the score at the time of recording. It's two-two. There's apparently been some defensive howlers in this game as well. Really right. unsure from both sides. I think one of Real Madrid's goals, Allison has hit the ball at Vinicius and it's gone in. So <laughs> stuff like that does infect that Brazilian nerve. chemistry. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but those nerves are infectious. You know that does carry yeah. on into the next fixture sometimes, yeah. even at that top level and you know just because Liverpool are finding their groove again you know we, we're going to need a few things to go our way and I find our our fixtures with Liverpool in recent years I always still think we've got a chance against them even though we've barely scraped a point against them in <laughs> donkey's years other than this yeah. season but you know we're always, we're always very close I feel like it's, the, it's always the most frustrating fixture of the season for me three, because we always look like we could get we deserve something from it and never quite get there now three unbeaten at home as well Joe you know oh. we've, we've shown that we've we've got a bit of resolve at home in the last few games in games that Newcastle and Brighton in particular probably didn't oh and United yeah. you know well, well that's it in some sense to get points in all of them but that yeah. has it's, it's kind of built up this, this unbeaten run so yeah, yeah. We've, we've got to think about that again we mentioned it at the top of the show but I think I said I mentioned Brentford, Brighton, and Man United. There's a Newcastle draw in there as yeah, well, yeah, by the yeah, way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like these are not pushover games, even when we've got our best eleven. Yes, they're not goals. You know, they're not they're not goal field games. But like we've shown that at Seller still, we've got over that horrible kind of Boxing Day to New Year period where we were absolutely honking. But mm-hmm. like we are, we are going to be in this game we're on competing. Saturday night. Yeah, we're we're gonna. Yeah. It's, this isn't something we're just going to get roll over. I, 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 I think it's still going to be as exciting as it can be at Celeste. I just hope that we turn up and give it the atmosphere that that yeah. deserves. The kind of the thing that, that just that push forward that the team going to need. I think. Well, Celeste under the lights, as it will be then. So you know, I think it will be a. Yeah, I think the atmosphere will be there. And the point about defensive mistakes is interesting as well because that has blighted I think or been an issue defensively Liverpool this season so that is a trend that hopefully that does continue I think will give us a chance it's just down the other end of the pitch they are now starting to sort of make things happen and and clicking but who knows you know well, and, and so Jimmy you're basically giving John Fleet Matessa warning to make us eat our words is that what you're saying 
What would for you another week, do? For another week, are we challenging Jean-Philippe Mateta to make us grovel next week? I mean, I would, I'd, I'd, I would happily grovel next week if Mateta scores the winner against Liverpool yeah. or, or just well, scores a goal. I promise, and some listeners will be pleased, if he scores the winner next week, I'm not coming on. <laughs> oh, there yeah. you go. There you go. Because <laughs> you'll go, you go straight to Infernos, which will just be closing anyway. I'm going straight to the Blue Orchid yeah. to, knock on, to knock on a padlock door. <laughs> Bruce, are you in there? <laughs> Bruce! <laughs> Wayne Carlisle, come out! Oh, yes. I'm, uh, I'm really enjoying the idea of your tail between your legs on next week when... He scores, but it's not the winner. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> In a six-one defeat, he took that consolation goal. One when Allison hit the ball at him, great yeah. stuff, great stuff. Well, we will see. We're back next week, of course, to review that game. Patrons get an immediate post-match pod, of course, from Celeste. And uh, yeah, we will see what happens. But anyway, lads, it's been it's been a mammoth pod, but it's been an absolute joy talking to you as ever. So, Joe, thank you very much for being here. No, thanks, thanks for having me on. It's my fault it's this late, so apologies no, for uh, it's been a lovely, a lovely evening's chat. It's been great. And we'll, I'm going to go back and watch the second half of Liverpool now and uh, and see what happens there. Jack, always good to have you on. And uh, yeah, see you on Saturday, I'd imagine. See you on Saturday. Yeah, looking forward to it. <laughs> Certainly got enough time for a few pre-match drinks if anyone wants them. So, uh, <laughs> well, Joe, I'll yeah. see you in the uh, I'll see you in the players' lounge. Oh, Indeed. thanks very much. Yeah. <laughs> Bloody hell. Don't sit in the players' lounge. No, no, but to be utterly bypassed like that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, even... Okay, play- Jay, yeah, yeah, You enjoy players- your drink by yourself. Unbelievable. It does keep on the 90s theme as well, by the way, since it's now called the Bright and Bright Lounge, isn't it? So you can't even call it the players' lounge. Oh, really? Oh, dear. Sorry. I am yeah. stuck in the 90s in, right. in many ways. You should uh, play us out of your 90s tune of your choice, however much of a 90s tune you can oh. play, JD. Play us I, think, I think we've nodded to the 90s enough today. A Sellers nineties tune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it doesn't have to be for the nineties, but some suggestions because the one that's coming to me is the song they played at the end of the Long Good Friday. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly the right answer. Yeah, that or yeah. Go on, Joe. What's the other one? Zombie Nation. They used to play that for a little bit. There was Move Your Body by Expansions. That 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 occasionally gets the dun. Dun, 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 Which one was Zombie Nation? Yeah, yeah. I think oh, my, my Spandau Ballet Gold has also played quite a lot when I was younger, yeah. really? by memory, seriously. Yeah. I, see, now I've always just associated, yeah, I think you're right, but I've just always wondered whether my mind's created that because of Capital Gold. Right. That's what I'm always like, did I just dream that? But well, JD, you've contractually got... obliged to play Gold by Spandau Ballet <laughs> once Maybe. <a> Maybe. <laughs> Um, JD, your choice. Play, play us out with the eight seconds that we're allowed to be played out with for a tune without copyright issues. Okay. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We're back next week. Everyone's and, uh, turned off by now, anyway. So yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> but the people that have stayed are going to get to listen to this. You have to sing it. Unrecognizable. No one wants that. <laughs> Imagine if I played the eight seconds and then the rest of the four minutes is me singing instead. <laughs> No, I'm just going to play whatever I can. Anyway, thanks for listening. We'll see you all again next week. Goodbye.
Social Podcast Network.